We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Hello everyone, this is Colin Kelly, you're listening to the Rotoviz Season Preview Podcast today. We are talking about the NFC South and I will be joined by Gianna Thomas of the Falcoholic. I'm looking forward to talking to her about the Falcons and then I'll be running through the other three teams in the division and having a little look at those from a fantasy football perspective as we get ready for 2019, get ready for those season drafts and I'm really looking forward to this one. Lots of good stuff to talk about using the Rotoviz apps, and we'll be looking into the teams in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to let you know about the exclusive 10% discount for our loyal podcast listeners over at rotoviz.com. That is for the Rotoviz NFL Pass, and it's available right now for an exclusive discount of 10% through the podcast homepage, that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Get unlimited access to all our tools and content, and best of all, help support the pod. Again, that's a 10% discount, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to the other Rotoviz shows over the last couple of weeks you will have heard as well about the Rotoviz Patreon is back for a second season this season it is better than ever we do have the slack on board so we're having some of the writers some of the podcast hosts in there to answer your questions on a daily basis on a weekly basis to get you ready for your fantasy games on a weekly basis from DFS to Dynasty to redraft leagues get everything set up and it's a lot of fun interacting with the listeners those Patreon chips are available from $6 a month and are available right now at patreon.com forward slash rotoviz. Gain on limited access to that premium content on the Slack channel and also help us continue to produce industry-leading programming. 
Once again, that is patreon.com forward slash rotoviz. So with that out of the way, let's get straight into the guest. Let's get Jana aboard the show. Delighted to be joined now on the show by Jana Thomas, and uh, we've uh, had her on the series many times over the years. I remember when I was doing the Overtime Ireland podcast back in the day too, she used to be very grateful with her time, and it's always great to, to talk Falcons with her. Uh, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm I'm not too bad. So uh, it's always I always enjoy talking the Falcons. Uh, I, I, my my love for Julio Jones is uh, <laughs> it's not a secret, even though I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. But uh, I really think this team has um, a lot of uh, impressive weapons this off season. It could be very very interesting. Uh, at Rotoviz, we've been talking up uh, quite dramatically the the chances this year for Calvin Ridley to have a major major breakout. So uh, we'll probably talk about him in a little bit on the on this here uh, interview. But when you look at this team, obviously we had the the Super year a couple of years ago and then things dropped off and it hasn't been as good um, uh, Matt Ryan was obviously the MVP that year and it's been a little bit difficult to get things going Kyle Shanahan's now with the 49ers so there's been a, a, quite a bit of change over the last couple of years but wh- what's your thoughts heading into this year in terms of expectations for this team do you think the team is starting to be set up quite right for for success this season yeah, I, I was very um, surprised that they made the choice to bring back Dirk Cutter. Uh, it's just an unusual thing for a team to move on from a coordinator and then you know bring him back into the fold. But I do think that his familiarity with the personnel on offense, um, you know, Matt Ryan had one of his best seasons as a pro under Dirk in 2012. Um, his familiarity with, with Julio and his skill set and just the different ways that you can feature him to take advantage of matchups. I think that those are real assets. Um, And so I think that it will be interesting. And the ceiling is very high. This team has, I mean, they're just absolutely stacked with offensive talent. So at this point, you know, I think that it, they would have to probably try to mess it up, <laughs> if, you know, with with guys like Julio and with Calvin Ridley, with the, with the receiver as reliable as Sanu, you know, with Austin Hooper continuing to take incremental steps forward every year with one of the league's best and Matt Ryan with the investments in the offensive line. You know, I think that they should be good this year. You always have the variables you can't control or anticipate like injuries and things like that. But I think the Falcons hopefully statistically got a lot of those out of the way last year so that they can stay healthy this year. And if they do, I really think that the sky's the limit for this offense. You mentioned as well taking Dirk Cutter back. It's, it is a strange situation where you kind of take somebody back in who's worked with uh, a lot of this roster before and taking them back. It might be that they're almost trying to kind of catch a little bit of lightning in the bottle or try and fix things it doesn't always work out that way but it'll be interesting to see how, how things do work out in terms of the offense and what's happened so far in training camp has there been do you expect it to be kind of similar to that 2012 offense or do you think there'll be some more wrinkles added in maybe a little bit of what what Matt Ryan might have liked with Kyle Shanahan and things like that they might tailor it more to Matt Ryan than just to the offensive coordinator's normal scheme from what we've seen so far and from what we've heard from players so far, I think that they are incorporating a little bit more of the up-tempo offense um, this year. And that's really encouraging for anybody who's followed Matt Ryan for any period of time. He's very effective in an up-tempo offense. And so I'm really eager to see how that all comes together. It's something that the tight ends have mentioned, you know, that they've enjoyed working on that. Um, it's something that Matt Ryan has always excelled in. So I do think that if there's one primary wrinkle one big change that we might see for this offense this season I think it's probably going to be a shift to more up tempo 
Yeah, and you you mentioned already kind of if they can avoid the injuries. This defense over the last couple of years, like there's a lot of talent on the defense, but it's been so banged up over the last kind of two seasons. Um, do you think like getting those guys back? Do you expect it to to just click into place for them? Um, you know, there's just they've they've been really unlucky on that side of the ball, and you know I think if they can get all that talent on the field, there's something there, uh, especially with Dan Quinn as well. What's your thoughts on that side? Yeah, um, I'm glad that you're asking me this a few weeks into um, the preseason so that I can give you, you know, an informed (laughs) answer. Uh, (laughs) It's been, no matter what, when you have injuries like, you know, Keanu Neal towards ACL, and that's something that can take a little bit longer to rehab from. But Ricardo Allen, especially with the torn Achilles, I was surprised that he was ready to go at the start of training camp. And they did have him on limited snaps, but they worked him up to pretty much full speed and a full workload. It's been really impressive to see those guys both out there, you know, running and making cuts without any kind of hesitation. I think that they're both really comfortable. I think that the recovery has come along nicely. So I think that those two for sure should be full speed or close to it. Um, Deion Jones is the other one to be concerned about. And he has been, he had to eventually have surgery for, I think that it was a turf toe situation. And so he's still recovering from that. He's been doing some rehab work one-on-one with the athletic performance staff instead of participating in full practice. So getting him back on the field for week one is a real priority. But as far as what we have been told, he is on track to do that. So I don't think that it will be a problem. And, and see, uh, I'm going to bring up this next guy now, and it's uh, Devontae Freeman. The, the last two times we've uh, talked on the show, I think one of the times was uh, shortly about 10 minutes after finishing recording, Devontae Freeman signed his long uh, contract extension. Uh, we talked quite a bit about Tevin Coleman on that one. Now, obviously, he's with the 49ers. Then uh, last season, we talked shortly before uh, Devontae Freeman went down with that injury. So hopefully, we're not uh, expecting any big Devontae Freeman news over the next kind of 48 hours. But uh, in terms of your expectations for him this season, obviously, there's been that split backfield with Coleman over the last couple of years. Now Coleman has moved away. You obviously have Freeman coming back from the injury. Um, if he is fully healthy, um, obviously the, the backfield then is going to be split up with like him, Ito Smith, Brian Hill, and possibly even uh, Quadre Allison. But what's your expectations for how that backfield will shake out? Do you expect Freeman to be the, the workhorse back, or do you think it's going to be a committee from the other the other tree behind him? Well, I I think it's going to be a committee, but there's one name missing from that that I think that we have to talk about, and that's Kenyon Barner. The um, Falcons signed him, and I think his value as a return specialist is going to probably earn him a spot in that depth chart. So then you're looking at, you know, I don't think that they'll carry more than four, and that also depends on what they need in terms of special teams guys. Um, I think that if Allison can contribute on special teams, it will help his case. But I don't think that you can really, from his performance in preseason, say that he deserves a spot over um, Ido Smith or Brian Hill, especially, who's just having a stellar training camp in preseason. So this one is going to be really interesting. Um, One of my colleagues here in the Atlanta media mentioned on the radio today, D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution said that he wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons traded one of these running backs because right now they've just got an embarrassment of riches and they cannot keep all these guys with the roster limitations. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. But yeah, I mean, they've got uh, they've got a lot of guys who have looked really good so far in preseason and only so many spots to hand out. So I think Devontae is obviously going to be the feature back. 
And I will say he's looked more like his, he did, you know, the, in his breakout season during training camp, he looks fully healthy. Um, his vision is just remarkable. You know, he looks really good coming in, in and out of his cuts. He looks great. So Devonte, I think as long as he stays healthy, will be excellent again. Um, how that depth chart is going to shake out behind him. I honestly do not know at this point. It's too early to call. Yeah, it's a very interesting backfield. Uh, and you, you mentioned, you know, obviously Barner's, uh, you know, a veteran, uh, 30 years old, but you look through the other guys, you know, they're they're all under 23, nearly years of age. So there is an interesting area there to see what can happen. Ito Smith has uh, been interesting over the last couple of years and Brian Hill, I think uh, there's a lot of potential there. So it's going to be interesting to see how it breaks out and if they do, because there's a couple of teams around the league that are running back needy at the moment. So maybe we will see some activity there. Uh, I did mention uh, earlier in the show about Calvin Ridley, you know, th- there's not much point in diving into Julio Jones because we we know what Julio is going to do he's going to tear things up on a weekly basis but uh, when you when you look at Calvin obviously he's very very uh, big in terms of fantasy football circles at the moment but he had a a stellar rookie year some of those were kind of very big games with long touchdowns which kind of spiked his overall yardage and touchdown expectations heading into this year so he mightn't have the same level of touchdown you know efficiency but in terms of him having a larger workload and getting more involved what's the kind of talk around Atlanta in terms of what they're expecting for him uh, you know it, it just such an explosive playmaker at such a such a young age in his in his early career well one thing to bear in mind with Ridley is that he did miss a couple of weeks of the um, of training camp work because he had a quad strain so I haven't gotten to see too much of him you know he hasn't been able to play in the preseason games or anything but he did have an exceptional rookie season I happened to be able to grab him in the late rounds in two of my leagues and he ended up winning some games for me and he was kind of boomer bust you know it was either a tremendous game or he ba- barely showed up on the stat sheet but um <laughs> yeah i think that one of the things that ridley has worked on this offseason is just his hands and that was an area of need um he's also worked on you know cutting in and out of his breaks more cleanly he was already a very good route runner. He runs beautiful routes, but he's even improved there. So he's really put in the work this offseason to get better. And I think that that can only help his chances of avoiding a sophomore slump and being more consistently impactful this coming season. And see, in terms of uh, overall usage, obviously, Mohamed Sanu has been a kind of underrated uh, player, you know, in terms of NFL players uh, over the last couple of years. You know, he's had consistently, you know, around about 60 or above uh, targets or sorry, catches since he came to atlanta in 2016 uh, do you think you know having 94 targets last year 96 targets in 2017 do you think we see a situation where ridley now overtakes him as that second wide receiver in terms of targets on the team you know i think it's just going to depend on matchups um i think it's going to depend on matchups i think that that's what they plan to try to exploit i think that there will be times when Mohamed Sanu is the best option and then he's going to get the looks and there are going to be other times when the matchup favors Ridley and so he's going to get the looks and I think it's hard to anticipate especially with a different offensive coordinator in here Um, I do think that they're both going to get plenty of targets and um, I also think that they both open things up for Julio to do more damage because they pull coverage away from him especially Ridley after the season that he had last year so you know overall I think it's really hard to project um, the expectations, especially when Redley hasn't been able to factor into anything that they've been doing um, in camp until recently. But yeah, I think that he'll play a big role. And I think Sanu still will too. He's extremely reliable. 
Yeah, and I, I think like when we talk about these options, you know, you're talking about Mohamed Sanu or Calvin Ridley being a third third option on the team, and then you look at somebody like uh, the next the next person up is Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper, you know, he's going to be 25 come up late October this year. But I always talk about tight ends. You know, the first three years are almost write offs in terms of how they develop. I know we have exceptions like Rob Gronkowski who come in and hit it off the bat, but uh, you know, last year 88 targets, 71 receptions, and 660 yards. Like that, that's a solid return for a tight end, and I, I expect you know him to to continue to improve as he has year on year uh, is there expectations for him to be more than the role player maybe we would call him he was last year or do you think it's going to be more of the same from from hooper this year is that kind of his ceiling in terms of what we can expect from him no i think that we'll see his role grow um one of the things about hooper is that he has gotten incrementally better every year of his career and he puts in time one-on-one with matt ryan in the offseason to make sure that their chemistry is where it needs to be and that sort of thing so i think that that's a big part of his development um i think that he he has looked really good again in camp this year i think that we can expect him to be a real factor in this offense yeah, I always think he's somebody who, as you mentioned, has continued to develop. That's what I look with uh, a young tight end. And when we look, then they did draft two offensive linemen in the in the uh, early rounds uh, of the draft this year. And obviously, when you look at this team, maybe four or five years ago, the the area on defensive line and offensive line was a real area of weakness, and they've really poured the investment into that over the last kind of five or six years. Uh, what's your thoughts now on this offensive line? Do you expect it to to really take a jump forward and to be one of the the top tiers uh, in the in the NFL at the position? and see the two rookies as well and the early word on those and camp so far sure um yeah the falcons drafted chris lindstrom who i think will start at right guard um and so he has looked really really good he has worked really hard to get up to speed there's a really steep learning curve for offensive linemen coming from college to the nfl but he's developing really nicely and really putting in the work that he needs to, to be at his best, which is a big part of the battle for rookie offensive linemen. The other draft pick was also first rounder. The Falcons traded back into the first to take Caleb McGarry. And my expectation was that McGarry would start at right tackle, um, which, you know, then you would have had two rookies starting next to each other on a side that defensive coordinators try to exploit because they perceive it as a weakness anyway. So that would have been dicey. But McGarry actually has a, um, a heart condition and he had to have a, a minimally invasive procedure. So he's out for probably, I would guess, the next five to seven weeks. Um, it's not really that he needs a physical recovery time, but he does have to be on blood thinners after the procedure, and you would be risking your life if you played football on blood thinners. So he's just going to have to wait until that's done. But when he, before he had this procedure, um, I don't know if you remember, but there was a Falcons lineman probably about a decade ago named Harvey Dahl. He ended up he played for the Rams too and bounced around a little bit, but he's the meanest offensive lineman I've ever seen play. Like he <laughs> arrived on that contact. He, he played through the whistle and a little bit beyond it. Like he was just always, he played with such a level of nastiness, which is really what you want to see in your offensive lineman. And the thing about Caleb McGarry that stands out to me is that he, his style of play reminds me of Harvey Dahl's. And so I think that for the long term, you know, once he's healthy enough to get back out there, I think that that's a good thing for the Falcons. They also signed um, James Carpenter and Jamon Brown. And Carpenter is hurt right now. Th- these guys were both for agents. But Brown has been starting in preseason action um, on that left side, and he's been good. I mean, I, he's not. I, I think that he will be perfectly 
fine. So yeah, with those investments in the offensive line, I think that in and of itself, we should see a more consistent run game and we should see Matt Ryan having the time that he needs to make plays. Yeah, and if you look at what Matt Ryan, his best years have come with consistent run games uh, behind it. And obviously, if you have the offensive line giving him time to pass, have have the run game going, that really will boost this team quite well. So I'm excited to see what the Falcons do. I always say playing in that dome as well. It gives them a, a good advantage. You never have to be overly concerned about the, the weather down there. But as always, uh, Janet, it's been a, a great time talking to you. Make sure to all the listeners go over and follow her on Janet Thomas on Twitter to get all your Falcons news. As always, it's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, thank you to Gianna for jumping aboard the show. Make sure you're following her on Twitter at Gianna Thomas for all the latest Falcons news. Always uh, a lot of fun topics pop up on her timeline. Um, as we look forward now, obviously I'm going to look through some of the other teams uh, in the NFC South. I want to talk through them when you use the projection machine a little bit. Great work by Dave Cabin over on the site using that. So let's have a little bit of a look through. Obviously, we talked there first about the Falcons. If you've listened to Road of Us over time over the last couple of months, you'll know that myself and Sean Siegel are very excited about Calvin Ridley and uh, how he could do this year. Jana there had some interesting views on it, and uh, I do agree with her, but I think that there's going to be a case here where Ridley does take uh, quite a substantial jump forward. Now, obviously, missing time in training camp isn't what you want to see, but uh, I think what we've seen last year, I think we're going to see a big sophomore jump. The second year for wide receivers is where we see most of those uh, you know, kind of real increases. So looking forward to seeing what he does. Obviously, we know what Julio does. I think Matt Ryan this year is going to be an undervalued quarterback. I think when you look at the pieces on this offense, um, it's going to be very interesting. I mentioned Austin Hooper too. Um, you know, younger tight end has developed his way and improved each and every year. Possibly another step forward for him. While I don't think he's going to be, you know, at that top end of tight ends, I do think he will be a, a substantial tight end piece you can use on a weekly basis, especially if you're going to stream the position. Um, so I think he is very, very interesting there as well. Looking through the projections, Matt Ryan, the projections machine has him down for 574 pass attempts with a 66% completion, finishing the year with 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So that's a 2% interception rate over the, the entire season. Um, you know you're going to get very very limited Russian work from Matt Ryan if you're looking from that perspective if you're looking then at Russian production we're going to see Devontae Freeman uh, clearly projected to be the number one running back in this offense 244 Russian attempts just over the thousand yards nine rush touchdowns 52 targets 39 receptions and a 75% catch rate so uh, he's just in for the one receiving touchdown in terms of projections but that would be quite a substantial season if he finished with 10 total touchdowns and a thousand yards so he could proved to be a little bit of a value there this season now he is going in that area where we've been calling it the running back dead zone um, so he is he's one of the players in that area that I think um, would be a, you know a, a good target but at the same time he's in that area where I'm tempting to, to try and pick up those uh, young wide receivers the sophomore wide receivers like a Calvin Ridley uh, Ito Smith then projected to be the, the next in line with a 126 rush attempts just over the 500 yards uh, and finishing though with six combined touchdowns three rushing three receiving showing up there in the projection machine with 34 receptions so you know could be a good candidate there for a zero RB the other one is Brian Hill and um, you know I think there'll be limited workload on the season for him, but if it was an injury to either of the two guys in front, I think it's going to be 
um, and interest and pick up off the waiver wire if that was to happen to one of the two guys in front. We all know what Julio is going to do. Um, he's in there for 102 receptions um, and uh, over 1,500 yards, seven touchdowns. So if he can hit those numbers, it will be a truly an exciting season. And again, uh, you know, tethering Matt Ryan as the quarterback to these players um, could be a very smart move. Then you have Sanu, Ridley, um, and Justin Hardy then is the next wide receiver in line. So I think uh, Sanu still is going to be a little bit of a value, but I, I don't think you can trust him on a weekly basis. He's in for 61 receptions, and then we also have Ridley, who we mentioned, 75 receptions. So I think the two of them may be closer in terms of overall usage than uh, some people may be expecting, but I think in overall production, we're going to see a big, big gap between the two uh, in terms of Ridley's explosiveness um, in this offense. Austin Hooper then projected in for 55 receptions, which isn't a huge total, but when you're looking at the, the tight end position, once you go past kind of those first three you're looking then at a kind of a, a potential group where you're you're seeing there could be potential in you know Ingram uh, and those guys in there but I, I think that Hooper is below that group but could have uh, a week-to-week value to have in your lineup so I'm quite excited about the Falcons this year but uh, quite a few guys in there I'm targeting but mainly at the wide receiver position quarterback position and that's in Matt Ryan Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. The team that won this division last year with a 13-3 record was the New Orleans Saints, obviously. Um, there's still talk, obviously, of the, the way that the season ended for them, which was uh, hugely disappointing from their side of things. But uh, this year, again, we're expecting them to be to be quite, quite good. Last year, in terms of offensive stats, they were 6th in the NFL in rushing yards per game, 12th in passing yards. So while we do think of this team as an explosive offense, um, you know, in terms of the passing game, I think there has been a shift, obviously, over the last couple of years in terms of how they have uh, produced on the field, especially um, since we've seen Alvin Kamara come into this offense. Now, last season, they, as I mentioned, was 6th in, in, uh, in rushing, 12th in passing, but they were 3rd in points per game so there's obviously a possibility there for that to regress but people will be looking at uh, this team to be high score and I think it might calm down a little bit you know if you look at the efficiency last year was the key uh, very efficient in terms of targets to Michael Thomas Uh, there was a stage of the season I can't remember the exact figures but it was over an 80% uh, catch rate that he was traveling around with and then Drew Brees um, in terms of completion percentage was uh, extremely high so I think we might see it uh, drop off a little bit this year now Brees I, I did think down the stretch we've seen a considerable kind of start to drop off in his, his arm strength and it'll be interesting to see how he starts the season this year but in terms of players on the offense the the ones that I'm, I'm looking to target and I've seen a little bit of a buzz for Jared Cook recently still somebody who, who's not on my radar really to be picking up in drafts but 
Michael Thomas. We all know about Michael Thomas and how good he is. Got the big contract this offseason. Alvin Kamara again. Um, the, the player I think could be an interesting value is Latavius Murray but just sitting in that dead zone if he was a round or two later um, you know he would be somebody who I would start to be interested in but he will fill that Mark Ingram role um, and I think it's going to be a, a possibility that he, he could have uh, quite a bit of goal line value this season and I think that's reflected here in the, the projection machine as well so we have Breeze um, going for 4,184 yards which is a, a you know in terms of his career numbers is a drop off uh, 30 passing touchdowns 8 interceptions which is still very very strong numbers there he's also in for 2 rushing touchdowns and just the 36 rushing yards this is where I think it's interesting, as I mentioned with Latavius Murray. Alvin Kamara is uh, obviously the lead back in this offense, particularly from a receiving point of view, um, but from a rushing point of view as well. 270 rushes down for him. Latavius Murray, 187. So it's not quite the gap that you'd think it was going to be. And then, you know, we talked about last year the, the efficiency and, and rushing and the amount of rush attempts. And I think we'll see that again this year where there's a, a larger volume of rushing on this team versus most other teams. Uh, so we have 1,200 yards for Kamara and then 804 yards for Latavius Murray. Then 10 touchdowns for Kamara and 6 touchdowns for Murray. Uh, and then when we look at the passing game, uh, Kamara leads the way with 59 receptions, 28 receptions there for Latavius Murray. So I, I think that you know Murray is a player who has gone undervalued. He's in that area where there's a, a lot of risk in the running back position. But again, like I mentioned, with Freeman and Murray going a couple of rounds later than that, obviously just in the kind of seventh, eighth round range, um, I, I think he's interesting there. But it is again an area where I'm I'm going wide receiver over uh, those those positions. Now the, the gap that you'll see is when you look at the wide receivers. We look at this offense. We look at Michael Thomas. It really is Michael Thomas, and then the guys in behind. Um, the projection model has him for 111 receptions of 148 targets. So that's a huge, huge volume. That's given him 75 percent catch ratio as well uh, then we have Traquan Smith the, the second year receiver uh, in there for 46 rece- receptions then Ted Ginn for 30 receptions and Richard Matthews for 20 so you know there's not a lot to go around there in terms of uh, Michael Thomas is just getting a huge volume off the work and then when you put that down to the tight ends you have Josh Hill getting 22 receptions you have Jared Cook getting 46 receptions really limits it for the guys there behind Michael Thomas so on this offense I think it's really a case of uh, you know the, the running backs and then Michael Thomas um, I don't even think Drew Brees this year is a value in terms of tethering him to the other positions and that's down to as I mentioned there the volume of receptions that's going to go around those wide receivers and tight ends I don't think it's going to be putting Brees in line for a huge fantasy season so while the Saints are a very very popular team I think there's going to be um, a little bit of a drop off in that production this season so not as high on that offense as uh, many people would be heading into the year. An offense I think is going to be um, very interesting and um, people are talking a lot about it. There's a lot of buzz around the young wide receivers in this team and obviously the quarterbacks coming back off injury, they have a stud running back and that is the Carolina Panthers. You have Cam Newton going in the, the ninth round, Christian McCaffrey going in those first kind of three, four picks, DJ Moore at five, kind of 11, five, 12 at the end of that uh, fifth round and then Curtis Samuel going currently late ninth, early tenth and that continues to rise for him and the reports coming out of camp have been absolutely uh, stunning for Curtis Samuel so uh, if you listen to the other shows you'll know I'm a big DJ Moore fan really really excited for his season but Curtis Samuel another player who is very very interesting here especially at that ADP um, you know really exciting prospect and as I mentioned earlier in the show the jump going into that second year um, can be quite significant so young players getting that opportunity moving forward um, and, and it's going to be exciting especially with the ability for yards after the catch and um, with Cam Newton looking to be um, you know getting back healthy again so 
this offense i'm all aboard uh, all all four of those guys that i mentioned there happy to draft any of those guys um you know at their current adp since 2018 they have uh, seen an overall um, reduction and vacated targets of 16.5 percent um so i think that's gonna that's gonna help them obviously to to get those guys involved a little bit more splitting up those targets but um you know in terms of their overall production last year russian is obviously a huge part of what they do um, they were fourth in Russian per game, but passing they were sixteenth. So I think you know we're going to have to see an increase in that passing yards per game if they're going to really jump things up and uh, push those wide receivers into viable, uh, you know, wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos, which would need to be at their current draft position to have any return on the the current investment. So looking at the the projections then in the projection machine, you've Cam Newton, and um, we know that Cam will rush the ball quite a bit. Uh, we've him in for eighty nine uh, rush attempts, four hundred and. 18 rush yards and four touchdowns um you know four touchdowns when you're splitting it between him and McCaffrey at the goal line it's kind of a 50 50 call to see where that does go in terms of who carries it but um so theirs may vary quite a bit but the projection model holds it that way in terms then of uh, passing touchdowns 28 passing touchdowns 13 uh, interceptions that's a, a little bit of a higher interception rate than the two quarterbacks previous but it's uh, i think cam newton is a very very viable fantasy quarterback he has been the entire route throughout his career um, he's you know both the russian attempts with the russian touchdowns has always boosted him up in the final end of season total so he's always somebody i like to get in this year i think in terms of where he's going in drafts he's uh, definitely a value there and um, so he's he's starting to appear in quite a lot of my rosters he's he's, he's been a dynasty quarterback of mine for quite some time uh, and obviously I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to seeing what this offense does this year he's going kind of in the, the middle of that ninth round so if you're holding off on quarterback a little bit later which you should be um, and even if you're holding on past that point but if cam newton is there at that point i've absolutely no problem taking him uh, then we have christian mccaffrey uh, and jordan scarlett splitting most of the work in the backfield uh, pretty much all of the work there and that there is a case where we have mccaffrey with 252 rushes scarlett 112 rushes uh, so you're seeing most of that rush if not all that run going to mccaffrey and then a thousand and eighty four yards for him eight rushing touchdowns uh, and then through the air 721 yards and then obviously the six touchdowns so you know we have him projected in for a big big season 14 combined touchdowns so you know the, the hype is real around christian mccaffrey dj moore curtis samuel chris hogan and tory smith are the wide receivers and i think you know it's the first two guys there that we want to be looking at and you know at the start of the offseason uh, dj moore was somebody who i was super high on still super high on him but when you look at uh, curtis samuel you look at the projections you look at the you know the the, the projections overall with his comparisons uh, you know going into that second year dj moore's is a little bit higher in terms of overall upside but curtis samuel's is very very high too so these guys are a little bit closer in terms of projections than i would have anticipated maybe two three months ago and um, dj moore projected for 69 receptions curtis samuel 58 receptions um, six touchdowns for more five touchdowns for samuel so there's not a huge gap there but somewhere where um you might see a little bit of a gap is curtis samuel projected for a little bit more uh, work in the rush game um but limited overall um so far in terms of what we can project in a model he may be more involved in that the overall game plan from that perspective but the the model takes in from a historical comparison as well so um that 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 um, is limited in terms of uh, one rushing touchdown for samuel greg olson coming back from the injury 
I do think it's fair to say that you know Greg Olson's long past his best, a player who I really loved watching for many years. But uh, you know the injury history there over the last couple of years, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy, uh, and that scares me a lot. So if you're taking a flyer on a tight end, I think Ian Thomas, uh, you know, in those late late rounds is a is a good opportunity. But I'm passing over Greg Olson. Um, I think it's really going to take one of those guys to be out of the lineup for either of them to have significant week to week fantasy value. Next up is uh, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, new head coach and Bruce Arians have had a couple of disappointing seasons last year. A few players, obviously. Uh, disappointed in terms of uh, Ronald Jones had a, a major disappointment after where he was drafted really did not feature in the season at all looks a little bit more positive for him this year um, and you know we're going to talk about how that backfield might split up um, you know there, there's quite a large number of targets vacated in this offense 38% which is the fifth most in the league they were actually the, the best team in terms of yards per game passing attempts last year number one rush attempts they were number 29 so that's one of the biggest splits you'll see in terms terms of um, rush versus pass in terms of overall offensive stats for last year and um, so this year with Jameis Winston looks to have a full run of quarterback new head coach we'll see what happens there Jameis has always been somebody who I think is not taking care of the football has turned it over far too much when you're playing fantasy football sometimes that doesn't matter you know being behind can give you opportunity to rack up those extra points but Jameis has continually been somebody for me who has never really just fully developed and um you know it's a big big season for him we'll see we'll see if he can make improvements there but uh, he's not somebody who i like to own and, and fantasy I, I really haven't had many shares of him throughout his career uh, it'll be the same again this year but he does have his fans and they do have their reasons but he's not somebody that i try and draft now somebody who is tethered to him who i will be trying to draft is is mike evans we talked about him on this week's road of his overtime podcast um, and i think there's um you know an undervaluation there based on um, the hype around Chris Godwin and I do believe in the hype and I, I think there's um, great value there in his current ADP but uh, with those 38% of targets uh, you know being vacated I think Mike Evans is going to see a, a larger role then in this offense so you obviously have lost uh, Adam Humphreys Deshaun Jackson and then uh, obviously I mentioned with the quarterback situation we have uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick out there too so looking at the the overall projections then on the on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we run through them uh, Jameis Winston of course we've been going through quarterback first so Jameis Winston 348 completions off 615 attempts that's a 61% completion percentage uh, almost 5,000 passing yards 29 touchdowns but here's where Jameis always gets into his own it's the 19 interceptions to 3.1% interception rate um, so looking at it um, you know he falls on exactly where Kenny has tried his career with those stats um, and then he will have some rushing attempts that may boost a little bit of value but not a substantial enough amount just coming in over 200 rush att- 200 rushing yards sorry with two rushing touchdowns so not enough there for me to, to pique my interest in, in getting him on my rosters the place then to look obviously is the Ronald Jones Pitt and Barber split in the backfield and uh, Pitt and Barber last year obviously done a lot more than people would have been expecting continued to have that role throughout the year it's going to be interesting to see if Ronald Jones who has already looked better in, in anything that he's shown this year than he did last year but you know if it starts off the same way and Peyton Barber does lead the way in the backfield he will be substantial value because at the moment he's actually still been drafted after Ronald Jones and uh, current ADP you have Barber in the the late 10th and Jones in the late 8th at the moment um, and when you look at them you know very similar stat lines coming up in terms of historical projections and looking forward but I think we could see it you know split where one of these guys does win that job so again we're in that dead zone we're in the risky positions to draft a running back 
likelihood of both of these guys being values there are very slim likelihood of one of them being a value is very high so it's about hitting on that right one and it's a, an area where i tend to avoid now earlier this offseason uh, you know in dynasty and that i was trying to acquire ronald jones based on you know the the drop off from last year's value and i thought there was a, a potential to pick up a kind of zero rb candidate in dynasty and then and then get to work that in but in terms of the current adps and where he's going again not a running back uh, that i'm i'm targeting at this current moment both of the guys in there um looking kind of in around the same in terms of rush attempts 175 to 148 in favor of barber both four rushing touchdowns and then again very very similar in terms of receptions 20 going to jones while there's 26 to barber so it's pretty much a 50 50 split but i i think that when we look down into the season i think we'll see one of the guys you know take the lead there and it's it's nearly impossible to call at this moment if you look at last season you'd have to say barber looked the better running back if you look at you know who who should be the better running back since their college days uh, i would be picking on ronald jones but it's uh it's an area that i'm trying to avoid mentioned the wide receivers obviously chris godwin in for a, a big big season i think here uh, and also mike evans but at their current adp i think godwin is probably the better value of the two based on the projections here and um, it's a case where there's more targets going to evans way but in terms of uh, catch efficiency we're seeing more going to godwin some of those will be on shorter catches making it easier to become more efficient but um so the difference is the, the 141 targets to evans 79 receptions chris godwin then 111 targets and 70 receptions so very close in terms of receptions touchdowns then it's seven to six in favor of evans so very close once more uh, receiving yards 1146 to evans to 1015 for chris godwin so very close again uh, so across the board very close and then there's a, a three to four round split in adp between the two so i think chris godwin definitely still a value there but i do think we're starting to because of that hype on godwin people are maybe just overlooking at evans a bit and we talked about it in this week's podcast i think uh, evans does have the opportunity to be like you know a, a top three or four wide receiver overall this year in terms of the the come to the end of the season with the fantasy points um but when, when we look at it chris godwin is a substantial value but i also think that mike evans needs to be getting a little bit more luck there at the back end of that first or sorry back into that second round and as somebody i'm targeting a lot over the last couple of weeks Brashid perryman somebody interesting to watch uh down here for 45 receptions three touchdowns and you know obviously drafted by the ravens things didn't work out went to the browns revitalized himself a little bit last year now looking um like he could be a productive piece in this offense obviously with all those vacated targets that i mentioned deshaun jackson gone so uh, let's keep an eye on brashard perryman and those late browns oj howard primed for a possible breakout year this year uh, 86 targets 58 receptions uh, 899 receiving yards and six touchdowns and that would be a very positive year for him as he moves forward here early in his career um he's somebody after those first three tight ends i think could be a value again he's in that area where those wide receivers the sophomore wide receivers are so uh much in my kind of my scope in terms of picking those up that he does tend to get bypassed a bit but um i think he's he's somebody who who's in for quite a good year at the tight end position and, and has that touchdown upside on a weekly basis um so i think that um you can lock in basically when you're looking at your tight ends if you can get that weekly touchdown it's gonna it's gonna probably finish you as a, a tight, tight end one on the week because of the the limited upside of uh, you know the position after those top guys in terms of yards per game so great work there from uh, dave on the projection machine very very good head on over to the website open it up lock truth you can adjust it as well for your own parameters but very very uh, good very good uh, snapshot and showing in terms of the the overall production that we can expect for this season 
So that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. This was looking at the NFC South. Once again, thanks for Gianna Thomas for jumping aboard the show, talking some Falcons. Hopefully you enjoyed my little recaps then at the end as we look through mainly the, the statistical projections using the projection model over on rotoviz.com. Don't forget, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you can get a 10% discount. That is at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Get unlimited access to all those tools. And of course, I also mentioned the Patreon as well. Help support the show again. Um, fantastic to have you all involved. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. A couple more of these to come out over the next few weeks to uh, get you ready for the season. Hope you've been enjoying our content this off-season across the board on Roll of His Radio. It's been a lot of fun bringing that to you. So my name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Uh, make sure you check that out. Keep spreading the word off the podcast here. And until you hear me back on the airwaves again, have a good one. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.